0: On a weekend like this, with a week that's coming like this, with the dialogue in our culture, there has never been a greater need for the church to bow her knee before the throne, to get up from our knees and to love our sisters and our brothers and our neighbors as we would want to love ourselves and to care as Jesus would have us care. Can I get an amen? I want to pray that God would do what only he can do this week. I, my desire as a pastor is that you not view tomorrow as just a day for kids to have off of school and banks to be closed and government to, offices to be closed, but for us to honor the desire that actually is scripture birth, and that is for healing in our land and for God to do what only he can do. Can you just put a hand on the shoulder of the person next to you? Father, I ask, that you would take us as a church and that you would take us as a land, that you would heal us. Lord, no amount of argument can change the human heart. Lord, we've talked and we've defended our beliefs and we've had, Lord, some crazy stuff on social media and people pitting uh, groups of people against other people, all of them of which you died for. And, Lord, we ask, oh, God, that you would heal our land, forgive our sin. As a church, I pray, God, that you would, Lord, take racism out of our heart, that you would take out things that divide us from other people out of our heart, and that you would enable us to love people. And when it's difficult because we've got real pain or we've had difficult experiences or facts are there, I pray, God, that your love would trump Lord, sometimes things that divide us, and I pray that you give us a greater love for people who are not like us, and that you would enable us to live as you would in 2017 in our community. Help us to become like Jesus, I pray. God, we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. amen. You may be seated. Amen. It is an exciting week. As we are moving into our greater faith weekend, Uh, I'm very excited. Thursday night, this sanctuary will be full of those who speak Spanish, worshiping the Lord as Ingrid Rosario will be here to worship and we'll have altered time. It's going to be an amazing night. Then Friday night will be open to everyone on all of our campuses each Thursday and Friday will be. We're going to be gathering together, and uh, Sam Reifkokel, pastor from Grand Rapids, Michigan, former evangelist, been involved in revival. Will be coming, and preaching. You're going to love him. He's funny. Uh, he's the only Southern Asian I've ever known. So I had to, I, when I first heard him, it was interesting trying to go. Whoa uh it was fun to to listen to great man of god he's gonna be here friday night please don't miss it then saturday morning we have our leadership training uh times at nine o'clock we're gonna have two back-to-back sessions anyone that wants to come uh we're gonna be talking about how to be a spirit-led leader how to be empowered by the holy spirit as you lead how to partner with the holy spirit We set it up for our leadership, but it will be here, and you can come if you'd like. Then Sunday morning, both services, and then next week, Sunday night, we'll conclude with just altar time and asking God to move. It's time for adults to have some camp. Come on, somebody. And uh, give God a shot. You can do a whole lot of other things. Trust me, I know there's a lot of busy stuff out there. But nothing will be better than the presence of God. Nothing will be better than that. In fact, last week, we talked just about that in Seek Part 1. We said that one thing that makes all the difference is the presence of God. One thing that makes all the difference is being in His presence. And that we're to seek everything that He has available for us, 1 Corinthians 12, 31, so you should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts. And the question I asked last week is, what are you pursuing spiritually over the next 21 days? Starting last week, and I talked about how you need to have something you're shooting for. What's your spiritual Christmas list? We often know what we want for gifts and temporary things that will pass away. But, you know, the Word of God has so much available. Are you desiring those things? And, of course, Paul said that we can desire the, the gifts. We want love and joy and peace, but we want to prophesy. And maybe, you know, you may have never been used in the gift of healing, but the Bible says you can seek it. You can search for it. You can say, God, can you use me? And there's so many other things available. Maybe you want the fruit of the Spirit that you haven't known that part or Maybe you want spirit baptism that Jesus promised, and Jesus is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. You're to seek for that. So what are you pursuing? And I can guarantee you this. If you're not pursuing it, you're not getting it. James 4 says, yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. And so you're not asking for it, so you're not getting it. And then, of course, I talked about how the way to, to know God and to seek him and to be preventing uh, your heart from being led astray and having wrong motives is to have a daily altar. An altar is a place, scripturally, where we bring our heart, our our offerings before God, and we are open to him. And a daily altar could be through disciplines such as reading the word and praying and spending time with God. Going to church is a good discipline for you. But it also could mean pulling back from something so that you can hear from God. And I talked about over the 21 days that I'm going to be giving up coffee and And uh, I've asked for intercessory prayer over that one. And, And some of you are fasting different things, perhaps. Not because fasting makes you more spiritual. It just helps you hear better. It's a cue for you to connect again to God and his spirit. And, of course, we ended last week with Psalm 27, 8, where the psalmist says, My heart has heard you say, Come and talk with me. And my heart responds, Lord, I am coming. Say that with me. Lord, I am coming. And, of course, we want to come before him with our hearts. And, of course, we have spaces at the front of of each of our sanctuaries that traditionally have been called altar spaces. But an altar is, is nothing spiritual until we fill it. It becomes an altar when we come into it, when we bow our knee and our heart is brought before God. So today, part two of SEEK is into me see. Say that with me. Into me see. Into me see. Seeking God will be found at the intersection of two realities. The first of which is, I am made by God and he knows me best. Say that with me. I am made by God and he knows me best. There is a reality that the creator was there at the very beginning. Psalm 139 talks about it. In Genesis, we are made in in the image of God. We have his code on our DNA. God is in our code. He was there. Even those of you that don't believe in God and those of you that are skeptics and all of that kind of thing, you gotta know that, I'm sorry, but right before you were born, before you could talk, before you could argue, before you could disagree, right up, up underneath that, God's right there. <laughs> Turn to the person next to you and say, he's got you. <laughs> and if he was there and he knows us best, then we have to, we, we will pursue him knowing that. So, you're not pursuing somebody that's not interested in you or that doesn't understand you or doesn't get what you've been walking through. He's been with you throughout every stage of your journey, and He knows you best. He's put His fingerprints on us from the time we were conceived. And then the second reality in seeking God is this I will find my peace through intimacy with my Creator. Say that with me. I will find my peace through intimacy with my creator. In other words, when I am with him, with no walls between me and God, nothing held back, I will find true peace. You will not find peace apart from God. You will not understand the true peace that is available without true intimacy between you and God. To illustrate this, I want you to look at Exodus chapter 3 with me. Get your Bibles out. And by the way, right now in our kids' ministry, we've been challenging our kids to bring their Bibles, paper Bibles, to church. An interesting challenge for a digital generation. And uh, Pastor Aaron, uh, our kids lead kids pastor, has something on Facebook, will help parents understand which kind of Bible to get for your kids and what's appropriate. But I think it would be a good idea that if our kids are asked to bring their Bibles to church, so should their parents. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Be a good example. Bring your Bibles to church if you can. In Exodus chapter 3, we're going to meet a guy named Moses. Many of you might know him. Others might not. Moses has an illustrious history. Moses was a uh, a child of promise, but the enemy tried to kill him from the time he was born. See, there was an edict by Pharaoh over all of Egypt to kill the Hebrew boys, of which Moses was one. And, of course, he was... Uh, heroically put into a basket sent into the river Nile picked up by the royal household and he ends up being raised in the house of Pharaoh and so he gets educated in everything and he has the best of everything and he's almost assumed that he will be uh, a ruler a, a high placed official in all of Egypt as he grows older except for at one point he realizes internally that he's not Like everyone else, one of these is not like the other. Something is different between him and those that were born truly of Pharaoh. He notices that his nose is perhaps a little bit different, that something is different between him and his brothers. And he feels like he's a a fish out of water, that somehow he doesn't fit. And along the way, he notices some of the people that perhaps are connected to him ethnically, and he sees one of them being mistreated, and he kills one of the Egyptian soldiers that was an oppressor. He becomes a murderer. At that moment, he goes out on all news networks, Twitter has CNN breaking news, that Moses is part of the FBI's most wanted. They're hunting him down, and he takes off into the desert, And as he's in the desert, he finds a place where nobody notices him. He's kind of on witness protection, if you will. And while he's there, he gets married, has some kids, and he's working for his father-in-law, taking care of sheep, which is not like a high-profile job. They're stupid little things that all they want to do is eat and wander around, and he's a shepherd. And this, by the time we get to chapter 3 of Exodus, we discover that Moses is in a state of being in which he doesn't think anything good will happen in the future beyond what he's already known. His best days are behind him. He has no purpose beyond taking care of sheep. He's just going about his daily doldrum stuff, much like many of us. And as he is seen here in this story, I want you to catch that God is going to intervene, Moses' story, much like he wants to intervene ours. Starting with verse one, one day, Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. And there the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. Moses stared in amazement. And though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't that bush burning up? I must go see it. And when the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses. Here I am, Moses replied. Do not come any closer, the Lord warned. Take off your sandals, for you are standing on holy ground. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And when Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. Real quickly, I want you to notice a few things here. First of all, to meet with God, you have to pull over. What does it say? Moses said to himself, why isn't that bush burning up? I must go see it. It's as if he's driving down the highway and he's going one way, but in order to see God, he has to take the exit. He needs to take an exit to get off the road. Did you know to meet with God, it's not going to happen because you just keep doing what you've always done. But sometimes we got to pull off the road. We've got to give him an opportunity. We've got to look into him and to listen to him, to check it out. And when we do take a closer look, when God sees you take a look, he speaks your name. See, the kind of, it's kind of a given response. God's there, but he doesn't say Moses' name until Moses takes a look. When you take a look, And you give God an opportunity, you get off the road, you pull off the road, you give God time and space, attention, you're before the creator. Then he will speak your name. On the count of three, I want you to say your first name out loud. One, two, three. So he says your name. I might not know your name, but he knows your name. Remember, he was there from the very beginning. And he speaks your name. And he says, Moses, Moses. He's known you all along. And then Moses' responsibility is to reply. He says in verse 4, Here I am. Say that with me. Here I am. Did you know God has been speaking to you through the scripture, through personal experience? He's been speaking to you already today as we've worshiped and the presence of God has been here. He has been speaking Okay, even if you haven't heard an audible voice, and some of us look for that all the time, you need to know in the Word of God, God will speak to you from the Word of God. But just because He's speaking doesn't mean you're responding. You have a responsibility to say back to God, Here I am. And when you say that, you need to listen to what God wanted to say. Moses had to listen to what God wanted to say. He was about to drop on Moses a vision to rescue the people of Israel out of Egypt. But God wasn't going to tell him that vision until he stopped, Moses did, and said, here I am. And as God begins to speak to him, you'll see over the next couple of chapters, God says, I wanna do this. And Moses goes into this mode of responding to God with all of the reasons God is wrong. How many of have ever done that? No, God, you don't want to use me. There's no way. And we come up with our failures, our objections, uh, mistakes, rejections of our past, whatever it may be. We bring those things up and we say no to God. Listen, we need to learn to respond, here I am. And then God replies to our objections over and over again with I am. It's a title that God has. And that title that God gives is a statement that everything you're not, he is to help me communicate the story of the fingerprint on a person's life today. Terrence Talley is coming, and Terrence had been a youth pastor in our staff for a number of years. He is now full-time on the road as an evangelist and public school assemblies speaker all over the country, and he's doing an amazing job. Would you give it up for Terrence Talley? (laughs)
1: All right, I'm going to move a little fast today, but the whole reason why I'm up here is so that you don't forget, don't forget, you are a part of the great I am. Because see, a lot of times we may go through life and for some of us, we go to our job and you have a review and sometimes that review might be bad. But don't forget, you are still a part of God's I am. Some people may have labeled you as something, but it does not matter what they have labeled you as. You are a part of God's great I am. He is calling you forward that if you believe in Jesus Christ, then he's got a plan for you. He is saying that I want to use you, every part of you, not just some of you, not just the pretty parts, but every single part God wants to use to showcase the great I am. Don't forget. Matter of fact, as, as Pastor Nate was talking about that story uh, with Moses in the burning bush, I will never forget being introduced to that story because uh, unlike some of you, I did not like go to Sunday school and they taught us all these like biblical stories. I learned uh, biblical stories maybe as most of us have. I learned it through a movie. And the movie I learned it through was The Prince of Egypt. How many of you guys have seen that movie, Prince of Egypt? Okay, that is a bomb cartoon. You need to go Netflix that, do whatever you got to do. But the thing about it was this. I will never forget seeing that movie. Because I remember there was this girl, and her name was Ginny Hawk. And Ginny was, like, the hottest girl to me. I I don't know why I'm using real people's names, but that's really what her name was. And uh, for Ginny, I'll never forget. I was like, all right, I'm going to go invite her to go see this movie. Because, you know, I'm a kid, and if we go see a cartoon movie, that'll just leave time for... Well, you guys get it. So, the thing about it was this. I went up to Jenny Hogg at school, I remember, I walked up to her, and she was at her locker, and I was like, what up, girl? And she was like, hey. <laughs> and I was like, girl, you know that movie, The Prince of Egypt? And she goes, yeah. And I'm like, girl, I wanna take you to The Prince of Egypt because you know what? I may be a prince, but I know you are a princess. Let's go. So, <laughs> I know, right? So. We went to the Prince of Egypt, but I'll never forget. I was just like, all right, I'm going to pick you up at seven because I can't drive. And my mom gets off of work at five o'clock. So (laughs) seven o'clock. We coming to get you. And so I'll never forget, we got her. And my mom, she drove us to the movie theater and she watched us the whole time because she's a great mom. And so we got out the car and I was like, all right, after you girl, I opened up the door for her. She went into the movie theater. I ran back to the car because I was like, hey mom, I need $20 because I'm 15 years old and I ain't got a job. So she gave me the money to go see the movie and I remember walked in there with Jenny and I was just like, anything you want to get, that $6 is yours. So we got some popcorn and we sat down. I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to start making the moves on Jenny during this movie. But little did I know that God had a plan. Little did I know that God wanted to speak to me in that moment. Because as the movie was going, I started to really get captured by it. And the whole reason why I got captured by it, because with Moses, it seemed like he was trying to run away. And and nobody could just see him. And for Moses, he didn't think he was really good at anything. And that was the same thing for me. I didn't think there was any future for me. I wasn't a great athlete. I wasn't really good at school. I was just here. But when I saw that part in the movie where the burning bush is talking to him and he said, Moses, I've heard the cry of my people and since I've heard that cry, I'm going to send you. I was like, wow, how cool is that? To be a part of God's plan. But little did I know God was saying, Terrence, I'm calling you to be a part of my plan. See, uh, in Psalm 139, David, he writes a, a very passionate psalm about how uh, his relationship with God. And for us, I think it can break down into three ways we should remember how we are a part of the great I am. The first way is this. Don't forget that he knows you and he still wants you to be a part of it all. He knows your past. He knows where you come from. And he still wants you. Case in point, the first part of Psalm 139, 1 through 6, says this, You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it complete you. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me such knowledge is too wonderful for me too lofty for me to attain see i love this part because as i was doing research about this did you guys know in the first sentence uh the hebrew word for no is yada did you know that the hebrew word for no is yada so have you guys ever heard somebody go yada 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 yada." they're literally saying i know i know i know i know see your mind has just (laughs) been blowing sermon done (laughs) but no Here's the other part about it. That, that word, the Hebrew word for search is dig. It's dig. So let's replace those words in that first part. It says this, you have digged me, Lord, and you yada me. <laughs> God digs you. God digs you that means that God has searched all around in you he knows everything about your heart and he still digs you and he still calls you and he still says that you are part of the great I am if you believe in Jesus Christ he said hey I know it all and I dig you come on let's go see case in point uh for me I, I travel around, like Pastor Nate was saying, and I do school assemblies all across the country. And I'll never forget one of the first school assemblies uh, that I did where I, was gonna, I, I told a story about my dad. And see, uh, just so you guys know, uh, my parents got a divorce when I was like two or three years old, and I wasn't really close with my dad because uh, my dad was an alcoholic and my dad had AIDS. And me and him and I, we didn't have a really good relationship. And so growing up, there was a fear in me that I was going to be a bad dad too. And I, I was excited to be a dad, but I always feared it because I was like, what happens if I turn out like him? And I'll never forget, I'm in this school assembly and I'm talking to these kids and it's coming to the near the end and I'll never forget. God goes, Terrence, you need to talk about your dad. I'm like, God, why would I talk about my dad? I can't do that. He's like, Terrence, I need you to do an altar call. I'm like, God, you do not know the laws of the land, okay, Lord? If I talk about you in this school, I will go to jail. I am black. I will go to jail. (sighs) And God was like, no, Terrence. You need to do this. Do an altar call. Talk about your dad. And so it was six months before that, my daughter Gracie was born. And see, if you've never met my daughter Gracie, uh, my wife, she's Courtney. If you're like, who's Courtney? She's the woman that's like the boss. So we have our daughter my oldest daughter her name is Gracie and Gracie is four years old and Gracie is the craziest little girl you will meet in your life Gracie's running around the house she's knocking things over she's doing the whip and the nay nay because it's her favorite song but the thing about Gracie is this in the midst of her doing all these crazy things she will stop and she'll turn to me and she'll go daddy hug and every single time she goes daddy hug I know exactly what she means my little girl loves to get dad hugs and if you don't know what a dad hug is a dad hug says i love you and you don't need to do anything for me a dad hug says i think you're great and you don't have to be the superstar athlete you don't have to get straight a's i just think you're great because you're due and see gracie she loves to get dad hugs because she knows in the midst of her messing up the whip and the nene ne she could always turn towards her dad and her dad is going to love her no matter what so I'm at this assembly and it comes down to it and I tell the story about my dad and I just say, hey, I know there are some of you sitting here right now or maybe for you, you've never had a dad hug or maybe for you, it's a mom hug or a friend hug. It doesn't matter what it is. If you know you need that hug right now, I want you to come on down and I want you to get one for me because I get the best dad hugs ever. And so of course, all these students started to come down but I'll never forget the first girl that I went to go hug. I put my arms up like this and then all of a sudden, she put her hand out. And she goes, stop. Before you hug me, you have to know what happened. She said, when I was three, my dad began to molest me. And she goes, he molested me for over 12 years of my life. And she goes, the only reason why he stopped was because he went to prison. And so after that day, she said, I sell my body on the street because that's the only kind of love I know of. She goes, if you hug me, you will be the first man to ever touch me and not want anything sexually from me. so I took that girl, I gave her the biggest hug that I could, and she sat there and she cried on my shoulder for like five minutes. There were hundreds and hundreds of kids lined up to get a hug, but she cried for five minutes. And after everything was all said and done, I pulled that girl to the side and I said, things are going to change today. I go, do you want to know why I'm here? And she goes, yeah, I do. Then I began to describe to her how my mom, she got remarried uh, to my stepdad. But see, my stepdad was so involved in my life that after a while, I just stopped saying stepdad. And he just became my dad because that's just who he was. And I said, God is the same way. And God wants to tell you today, he wants to become your father. And until he's going to keep on working into you, until finally you're going to say, that's my dad. Do you want God to be your dad? She goes, I do. Then you've got to accept Jesus Christ into your heart. And then right there, I prayed for that girl to accept Jesus. But the reason why I know why that worked was because it was six months later, I got a Facebook message from that same girl. And she goes, Terrence, I don't know if you remember me. And I was like, of course I remember you. But she goes, Terrence, on that day, I found the nearest church near my house and I am there every single day that I can. And I stopped immediately selling my body on the street because I knew I had a dad in heaven that loved me. So don't forget. It does not matter what your past is, you are still a part of the great I am. God still wants to use you and he still, he wants to use it all. Not just a part, but all of it. Every single part, you are a part of the great I am. Number two, don't forget God is in everything and surrounds everything, and, is the, and the great I am works through it all. Uh, Psalm 139, 7 through 12 says this, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you the night will shine like the day for darkness is as light to you remember you can hide in the dark but God's light is gonna find you you won't be able to hide us for long God works through it all don't forget you are a part of the great I am And every single part of you, not just the Sunday morning parts, not just the nice little parts, but every part of you God wants to use. When you're at your job and you're sitting there and you're bored, God still wants to use that part too. Not just a part of it, but all of it. Number three, don't forget you were made to be a part of the great I am. Psalm 139, 13 through 18 says this, for you are created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, I know them full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of the sand. When I awake, I am still with you. I love that last part. When I am awake, I am still with you. I think David could be referring to God's hand on his life from conception to eternity. Every single part, God was there at the beginning and he knit him together to be a part of the great I am. God made every single part of you to be a part of the great I am. Case in point, uh, I was at a school assembly just a couple months ago, actually, and I did this thing where at the end I talked about the dad hug again, but instead I had all the teachers come up, and I told the students, I know some of you may go home and you have hurtful houses, but when you walk through the doors of the school, these these teachers back here, they're here for you. They believe in you. And so I go, if there's anybody in here that needs that dad hug, that mom hug, or that friend hug, I want you to come on down, and I want you to get it from one of them because they get the best dad hug, mom hug, friend hug, ever come get it and in the front row was the class of special needs students and so they got up and I'll never forget it as I'm sitting there during the whole assembly I was trying to make them smile because there was like hundreds of kids in this gym filled with this assembly but these special needs students I was like okay that's that's the audience I'm talking to today so I'd make jokes to them I try to high-five them I do like the I think I can't really wink my eye they look creepy but (laughs) I was just trying to make sure I put a smile on their face. And so when they came up, all of a sudden I I stepped aside because I do not want the students to, to, to say that I was the one that did it. I want them to say that people that are gonna be there for them the whole time and all throughout the school, their teachers are the ones they need to make that connection to. So I just stepped aside and let them get to their teachers. But then all of a sudden, there's this one special needs girl. She came walking over to me. And she could barely get there but when she got there she said i need a hug from you and i said okay and i gave her a big hug and then after i tried to let go she pulled my shirt closer and she said you made me feel so special today thank you but the thing about it was this i told her hey The reason why I'm at your school, because there was a student that said that she wanted us to go do a school assembly at her school, and I go, you should probably go thank her. And so she went over to that student and that student talked about, hey, she, uh, she brought us here because she thought Jesus wanted to show his love onto her school. And that special needs girl said, I know who Jesus is. He's awesome. And you know what that special needs girl did? She went back to her class and she told all her classmates just how awesome Jesus is. And that was the reason why we were there to that day. Listen. I don't know if some of you understand. See, in Moses' story, he talked to the Lord and he gave him excuses on why he couldn't do his call. And then near the end, he just said, Lord, I, I have a stutter and I, I can't speak. How am I supposed to speak to the people? And God said to him, who has made man's mouth? Or who makes him dumb or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, not I, the Lord? Listen, if some of you have been born with some kind of physical ailment, remember, you are still a part of the great I am. So God is still calling you and saying, not only do I want to use uh, the good parts, I want to use all the parts, all the things that people have labeled. If they have put that thing on you saying, hey, you're dyslexic or hey, you, you have a mental illness, whatever it may be. Remember, God had a plan. He has a plan for you. And as they labeled that little girl special, God labeled her purposeful. There is a reason why I did what I did. There is a reason why he does what he does with you. Don't just say, no, I'm not that good. No. You step out. When God calls you, you step out. Don't forget, you are a part of the great I am. And last but not least, it says, and um, the last part of this, it's important to remember and never forget the reasons why you are a part of the great I am is because God is calling you to be holy because he can't use you unless you're holy. And holy is not about being perfect. Holy is about being consistent with seeking after him. So don't stop. Constantly go back to him and say, God, I need you. I don't know what to say in this situation, but I know you got the words for me. Help me. And when we think about it, and and that last part, Psalm 139 says this on how to be holy. If only you, God, would slay the wicked away from me, you who are bloodthirsty. They speak of you with evil intent. Your adversaries misuse your name. Do I not hate those who hate you? Lord, abhor those who are in rebellion against you. I have nothing but hatred for them. I count them my enemies. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. We need to live apart from the wicked, but give them a chance to know the great I am. And we have to live openly before God. In that last part, he says, Lord, search me. He's saying, God, if there's anything that I need to do, let me know. If I am in the wrong, let me know. If I have sin in my life, take it out. Search me openly. Live our lives openly, not where we're trying to hide all the bad parts and then show people the good, but let people see everything so they can say, wow, if God can use you, then he can use me. And and closing... Uh, uh, it was just, uh, the, it was actually this week. Uh, we were at this school assembly and I, I spoke and did the whole dad hug thing and whatnot. But then um, afterwards, the think about it as this. Um, We're trying to write a book right now called Secrets Anonymous and where we have students give us stories about all the things that they have dealt with and we want to put this in a book so other students can see you are not alone in this. And so I'm constantly trying to search for different stories that students have sent me and there was this one student in particular where we talked at a school and after I asked everybody to come up and get a dad hug, this kid I'll never forget, he was like 12 years old, he came up to me and he said, can you be my dad? I said, no, nah, man, I, I'm sorry, I can't be your dad, but I wanna tell you, I got, there's a plan for you. And we're gonna do something tonight where I'm gonna share my faith story. I would love to hear you, have you there. He said, I will be there. So that little kid, he found his way there that Wednesday night, and I gave the message, and I talked about how God wants to be your father. And he came forward to accept Jesus Christ, but the crazy thing about it was this, They had them fill out cards. And so I was searching through the cards for their story and I found his. And he said, today I woke up a Muslim, but tonight I'm going to bed knowing who Jesus Christ is. Don't forget, you are a part of the great I am. Pastor Nate. Come on.
0: Today we want, we want to encourage you in this Seek series to understand that God is calling out to you. He's got a bush, if you will, a burning bush where he, it's as if he wants to say in the midst of all the craziness and all of the things that have happened in your life, he wants to be connected to you. He wants to be your father. And so as he sends his signal, his message, powerful message from Terrence today, your responsibility is to pull over if you want to meet him, to give him space, but not run out and just go on with your life. Ask him to wedge his way into your busyness, but to give him space. Today, we've intentionally shortened our service structure so that at the end, we would have time for you and me to worship. And to Worship is nothing more than connecting to God. But as you've heard today, when we connect to God and we talk to him, we also need to be able to say, God, see into me into me, see. And if we open our heart and allow, even to the most vulnerable places of our soul, allow him to come in, he will begin to reshape us, reaffirm for us, perhaps take sin from us, give us purpose so that we can be a part of his plan on the other side. We need to dig though, seeking is digging. Sometimes it's not the initial moment. I've known people that have said, Well, I worshiped, I didn't feel anything. Perhaps you need to give God some space and some time where you say, God, I'm coming after you, whether I feel anything or not, and I want you to see into me. When God told Moses to take off his shoes because the place was holy, what he was saying is, Moses, would you humble yourself? enough that you would bow your knee, your heart, and acknowledge that I'm God and you're not. Because there has to be a moment in which we humble ourselves before him. And then we're able to know this creator that was in our mother's womb, who wants to speak present time, real time, his I Amness over us, and to create something new, something fresh. Whether you're broken, Or you are a stable, long-term Christian. We all need the great I am, amen? We need to be able to connect with him. So today, on all of our campuses, I'd like to ask you, when we stand to worship in a moment, to do something that says, I'm going to search for God. I'm gonna pull aside. Physically, I'd like to ask you to do something that may be a little bit different for you, but step out of where you ordinarily are worship-wise that might mean moving into the aisle and just worshiping God. Maybe you've never lifted your hands. You could lift your hands. Maybe it's bowing your knee. Maybe it's coming to the front and it only becomes an altar when you enter it. And you bring your heart before God and see if God does not meet with you. And as you stand before him and worship, could you have a prayer, in a sense, going up before God? God's seeing to me. Did you know he already sees it all? But as you give him it access and you say shine your spotlight on my heart you're given access to every part of your heart. see if God doesn't begin to speak to you and then he speaks your name and your responsibility is to say here I am it's time to worship would you stand with me